This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart. And as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback. And I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. Oh, Queeros. Very exciting and fun episode of the podcast. I forgot the word podcast. Of the show today, Sierra Cato. She has been the producer of this show for a very long time, and she is my guest. I love chatting with her. I'm a huge, huge proponent of Sierra's. She's an amazing stand-up comic. She's also just fucking reliable as hell, and I love her. So please enjoy this episode. Also, do you live in Los Angeles? Because Sierra will be opening for me on the 26th at Dynasty Typewriter here in LA. We love that. And do you live in New York? Well, I will be at Joe's Pub August 16th through 20th. I think there's still a few tickets left for that. So you can go to CameronEsposito.com slash shows for tickets to all of that. Please enjoy this episode with our hero, Sierra. Well, and you definitely know this, um, I always have guests introduce themselves. Would you introduce yourself? Oh, wow. Um, did that act surprised? Oh, really? <laughs> oh, that's so crazy. Um, yeah, I am Sierra Cato. Uh, I am a producer of Query, just a longtime fan of Query and Cameron, and uh, I am also a comedian and actor yeah. and writer on strike. Um, yeah. And that's, that's me. Yes. Um, I, well, first of all, I will just say we had like a last minute dropout today and we were, and you were like, who could we possibly get for the show? We're like pitching ideas back and forth. And I literally can't remember. You probably would know more than me. Have, have we like had a person who doesn't identify as queer. Unquote. Oh, well, yeah. I think the only person we ever had a while back, um, we had the episode like Yes on 53 or uh, some prop in Massachusetts. Oh. Mm, that might oh not be God. right. But yeah, yeah good job. And there was one, um, we had two people on and, and one was an organizer who oh was my now. God. You're the greatest. Well, that's it. I'm good job. I'm super happy to have you. I think partially because like, you know, well, number one, we've worked together for actually a long time on multiple things. Um, and then also the show is switching networks, but you're coming with me, um, which is amazing. And so I'm super excited about that. And also I talk about you all the time on the show. So there's like people that <laughs> I'm sure mysterious? would be so curious <laughs> to hear from you. And also... Um, there's a Patreon group, Hey Queeros, that you've joined off and on over the last, like, however so long we've had that group. So I feel like you also know those folks pretty well. And so you are, like, a participant in the show in many ways. And as I have said a zillion times, um, I don't ever know what is going on with the show. And so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, you know, it's it's an honor and, and it's been just lovely. And I think also what's funny is I think about the fact that like I 
you know, and we, and I've worked with you in many, in other capacities, but it's like, I also, cause I listen to the show regularly, like any fan, like any um, listener, I probably have like slightly a, what's it called? A unbalanced, almost parasocial relationship with you where I know oh my God, quite that's so well, funny. you know? And, I, and then I think when I see you, I'm like, oh yeah, like obviously, you know, we see each other all the time, but that's we probably don't. That's so the reality, you know? Funny. Um, obviously sometimes on for various business things chatting yeah um but I think about that as well because it's a it's a pretty funny you know unique relationship which I, I think everybody has with a lot of people with podcasts yeah. now you know I'm sure you uh, you get it all the time with you know the sort of fans after shows and stuff but I think it's funny because I know you but also yeah it, that is like a it's funny a little one. different uh-huh. yeah that is a, I feel like I'm realizing that I have that with some folks I think I have that even with you in terms of like seeing stuff that you might post on Instagram and then we like never discuss it because like you said it's not like we see each other constantly but I I will just say what a fucking relief that that word was introduced parasocial oh I yes. think prior to that word being introduced I certainly have had this experience for years but I on on both sides um but it is a real relief to have a way to describe that <laughs> yeah, I yeah to the point I think it's an it's an awkward thing when things are asymmetrical so if you can kind of like mm. be like oh yeah this is what it is it's like oh yeah I understand that yeah that's a very yeah. normal thing you Absolutely. know so totally. it's a good way to describe it quickly and we can't because of the strike we can't really talk about people might not know this so I'll just say it um one of the things that's true for the strike is that like you and I can't talk about projects we've worked on together or like projects we've worked on separately on the show right now, because technically that could fall under the category of promotion and we're not allowed to promote projects uh, at this moment. Um, So that's just one thing (laughs) that makes this an interesting chat because there are specific things I'd love to talk to you about. Um, But I don't, but we can't. I mean, yeah, can't it's the ultimate challenge for yeah. you as an interviewer. But I think we can, you know, we can certainly start with. So I first met you. You had like just graduated from college, mm-hmm. um, and maybe you and you wanted to be in my in my first meeting. You, my first understanding was that you wanted to be a writer, mm-hmm. and now you're. And I knew you were already a comic. But I thought you wanted to be a writer. And then I've also seen you on TV. In fact, I cast you in a tiny thing one time. Um, Ah, yes. And you actually cast me in a tiny thing one time. So we've done that for each other. Where is that? Um, Yes. Uh So we love that. Um, But I think I want to know a little bit more about, like, was that your initial goal? Was it to be a comedy writer? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So I met you um, under the capacity of, like, so camera. I mean, we can say this. Cameron gave me my first job in TV. Yeah. It was for a project to not be named, but it was yeah. my writer. It was my first um, position as a writer's assistant. And that is yeah. like, and it was, oh boy, it was the dream job. If you want to be a writer, work for Cameron. If you want to be <laughs> a comedy writer, you know, you want to come out and be able to be kind of a fly on the wall in a writer's room. And mm. that's kind of what being a writer's assistant is, but also. Uh, because this room was so warm and uh, specifically, like all women are non-binary people, like people of color, like it's it was a very unique for the time because I think this was 2017, 2016, yeah. 17. Yeah, yeah, yeah. around um, that. And so that was again ahead of its time. So 
just yeah, the best intro into the world. And I did, yeah. And I think at the time, let's see, so I had done a lot of stand up and I'd love to do stand up, but I was really interested in being a TV writer as a career and seeing like if I could break into that. And I had really no understanding. I had worked, um, you know, in stand up, but that can be a completely different thing. So I think yeah. it was just sort of this that was the dream job, you know, that's how everybody right. breaks in. I mean, that's amazing. And I think because I didn't know this was a job, but I think there's something like there are a few kind of um specific moments uh like worth marking that because you also were a member of the harvard lampoon and or like member i don't know are you first of all yeah, yeah. is it like a secret i don't even know if that's like a is that like a secret club no. are you allowed to I say mean, it no am i like right like um skull and bones or whatever the, yeah all those crazy things are no i yeah it's it's a it's like a college uh, humor, humor magazine. And yes. a lot of grads who come out of that Conan O'Brien probably being the most famous, but like a lot of uh, other, I almost said it. I almost said another TV show, but yeah, other, <laughs> other writers for sitcoms, things like that came out of that. So I think if you're in college and you want to go to Harvard and you want to write for television or work in comedy, that's like kind of the shiny place to be. So yeah. So I was, uh, a, uh, artist initially illustrator for the magazine in there. Mm. And then also writer and did, you know, it was also kind of just a social like club for you to be in college with people. So, you know, not that different from your run of the mill sorority fraternity, I suppose. Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> I will say that. So like I did, you know, I was in an improv group in college and I have actually been to the because the lampoon for people who might know not know in Cambridge, Massachusetts, there's like this extremely weird building that looks like a little man with a hat on. Yes, it does. It's got a and, face. Yeah, it's got a face and it's um, cylindrical and it's also sort of in the middle of the street. Like you can drive around mm. it. And it's, so it's very, if you don't know what it is, it is eye catching because you're like, what the fuck is that? If you do know what it is, you're like, what could the inside of that possibly look like? And you're not allowed to go in unless you're a member or unless you're invited. And I was doing a show in Boston and I feel like this came through you. Did this come through you? Are so you the reason I, I think, got invited? Well, I, I'm pretty sure people, so I had already graduated and uh, yeah. people knew that I had worked for you. So I think they were like, oh, hey, do you cool. still know if they want to come in? And yeah. and I think also uh, you were playing the Wilbur Theater out there. Which I was, is just, yeah. Oh, the best. That's the dream. Um, yeah. Amazing. So I think we would kind of stock the calendar for the Wilbur and be like, oh, yeah, anybody yeah. want to come totally. by? Because it's convenient. Come on yes. down you know, to Cambridge. It's not that far. Um, so, so yeah. But then I think, yeah. So when you guys went, I wasn't even there, but I yeah. was happy to hear from you both that you enjoyed it. And it yeah. was, you know, it, it's a, it's a piece of comedy history that I think is really fascinating. It is. I mean, the reason I'm bringing all this up is because I do think it's genuinely unusual. Like me starting in college, you starting mm -hmm. in college in some capacity. Um, like, I don't know. I think that that is true for actually a lot of people that end up in this industry. But I also look back at that time and I don't understand how I knew to pursue that because I was so young. And I I don't know for you, like, especially because the Lampoon, the specific magazine that has all these ties to Hollywood that like people know about, it's sort of a 
I mean, that's a legendary institution outside of people that went to Harvard. You know, people know about sure, it. Sure. And um but still like not not a not a ton of women. Not no, a ton, no. I mean yeah of I... BIPOC folks. <laughs> so like I'm curious about how you thought you could like enter that, get into TV writing. Like this feels like a I don't know how I thought I could end up here, but somehow I did. How did you? Yeah, no, it's not an, it's not, none of this is like an open, accessible looking thing, right? I think when I started, so I actually started stand up when I was 16 and I was like out here, I grew up outside of LA. So I would like do open mics and there was this sort of, oh, this is fun. Like, why did you start doing stand up when you were 16? I'm going to interrupt you because literally, Sarah, how? How did you know? So, okay. So, and what you were just saying now too, it's like, yeah, when you start something young, and this is something I've been kind of talking about recently, because my interest in stand-up too, like my kind of relationship with stand-up has, it's got its ebbs and flows, you know? And I think I, when I initially wanted to start, I was like a nerd kid. I would, you know, I would do a lot of like student government speeches. I was like class president all the time and like really annoying. And, you know, I think I, I realized that if I put jokes in my speeches, you know, I could get, get the votes. And then mm. I wanted to do the speeches without the responsibility and just the jokes. And so oh, yeah. then I was like, okay, well that's stand up comedy. Um, and it I remember is, yeah. getting, you know, I think I got cable for the first time around that age. So I started to see like Comedy Central and like saw like you know uh Ellen DeGeneres is here now and like a few other things and I really hadn't seen that many stand-up like specials but it was sort of like a combination of like seeing it for the first time and then being like okay and now we do it and so that was probably too quick of a turnaround but I think I was a I like to do things and I had quit basketball after playing for eight years my original career and I decided (laughs) I needed to pick up something new and so it was stand up. And, and I think I liked that, you know, it felt like taking your voice back a little bit. I felt a little bit more shy or perceived to be shy, you know, all these things that I wanted to break. Mm-hmm. So that was really empowering. And then by the time I got to college, I remember also like being able to do like the freshman talent show, being able to kind of like put that out as my first impression. And that was magical. Okay, I want to I want to even like break this down further. So, did yes. your classmates in high school know you were doing this? So, some of them did, but it was pretty under the radar. Um, yeah, until college, I would say. And then, also, I'm curious about: is this like something you put on a college application? Yes, I sent into my Harvard application a clip of my standup. Fuck yeah! And wrote an essay on it, and wrote Fuck an essay on other yeah. things. But yeah, yeah, it, that was part of it. Do you think that that impacted your? admissions i mean i mean yeah what was that no i just like i'm sure i'm sure you had great grades because nobody just like get it i mean yeah it had to impact it had to impact you know i mean and like look you know there's we could even talk there's yeah i do not as many don't agree with the supreme court ruling and of course harvard was a part of that and, and then all the asian americans get implicated but you know my my stance is clearly affirmative action is necessary. It's not a perfect system. Doesn't mean you throw the baby out with the bathwater. It means you try and get in there and and you know make it even better than it already is. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, as far as the way that uh, when you send in admissions for college, you know they are trying to take like a, a holistic approach. So you can send in your art portfolio or you know essays on stuff and. 
I was in the, you know, very lucky privileged position to send in my, my art from comedy and write about it. And I felt like that was a part of me and it does, does continue to be a part of me. So it did accurately represent who I was and who they're accepting. I feel like that's like something that I didn't quite know, <laughs> which is like, <laughs> be a full package, you know, like I, cause I went to oh. this like Catholic, you know, college prep high school where the, everybody was taking, everybody was like taking every possible AP a, a class and like doing every possible hobby so that it just ended up, I think it just kind of ended up looking like everybody was the same in terms of their interests that I wasn't. And I think for me, I don't think that a specific interest was like cultured in me during that time. Um, and I didn't think to do what you did, which is fucking just start. No, I mean, stand up at sixteen. It's it's um you know yeah it's it's weird. I just think the I uh, you know everyone's too young to know how to package themselves for like <laughs> any sort of decision later in life. And yeah, even still, it's like you know my decision to do it. Though I'm happy I do stand up. I think for sure it's it's the world has evolved so much. I sometimes question like my reasons for starting it. I was shy. I wanted to be louder. Uh -huh. I was I was um I wanted to break stereotype. Da 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 da. Sometimes I'm like, is that you know it did at the time when I was doing it. Sure, it seemed like the best way to make change in the world you wanted to live in. But like I don't know if necessarily that's the best thing now. And and I cite your words all the time, which is when you're talking about 2016 and the fact that, um, you know, it used to be, hey, spread, you know, spread the good word of like, we're just like you, like, look at, look, you know, it's going to be fine. And then the turn of, oh, actually, let's turn into community. Let's make sure we're feeling seen. You know, that's, yeah. that I cite and internalize myself as like, it is true. It's a little, the bridge only, it's, it's the bridge's getting a little wider, you know? So I think yeah. it's hard to feel like making a difference through the things that we may have chosen back in 2011. I mean, I so hear you. And then the other thing that's interesting, somebody, I was talking to somebody about this recently, because as you know, I'm like constantly breaking up, breaking down, like why I've made these choices. It's very similar. <laughs> okay, what you're talking yes. about, I really relate to what you're talking about. Um, but I was talking to somebody about this recently and I was like, yeah, I mean, there's all these reasons I chose this and all that. they were like, yeah, that's everybody with a job who like has right. the flexibility to choose a job. And I was like, oh, right. <laughs> yeah. <Beautiful. laughs> like, I love that. People are, all, yeah, people are like lost. lawyers or doctors <laughs> or, or like a teacher or whatever. Mm. Like nobody's like, some people don't have a choice about the job that they do. And if they do, it, nobody's like coming in with just like a clean blank slate right. from as a baby. So I, I forgot that until somebody told me oh, that. No, I was like, beautiful. oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I totally. love that. Yeah. Because <laughs> look, I also, I mean, look, I was, as I said, nerd, computer science, um, did a lot of coding and continued to do it as a good um, survival job. And I think that even that I remember thing, just, just the turn of, 
when I was in college, it was like, oh, computer science, oh, tech, like, ooh, yeah. go work for Facebook. Like, that's a great place to work. You know, friends <laughs> be like, I interned at Facebook and we made stickers. And you're like, oh my God, that's so cool. You know, <laughs> did you get to meet Mark Zuckerberg? And then like, you know, three years later, like, oh my God, you know, that is, that's not a good place. Now they're meta because they're trying to dissociate oh from their horrible, like from ruining the world. So it is funny right. to think of, yeah, even that thing. Like I didn't necessarily stray away. I, I moved away from tech because I wanted to do comedy, but sure, in hindsight, it could be like, oh, I knew all along Silicon yeah. Valley was going to destroy Yeah, yeah, democracy. I mean, that's incredible. Good job predicting <laughs> the future. But I want to go back to, I just want to uh-huh. take a moment yes. to rest on what you were talking about, about um, affirmative action and yes. just say that, um, you know, I went to Boston College, as 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 you know, and it was like a little less, it's a bit of a different game there um so i am gonna just for a second talk about what i know about harvard because i living in boston i would like go there all the time and one thing i learned is that like the endowment that harvard has i think it's the largest in the world yeah which is like yeah so for people if people don't know what that means an endowment is like the donations from alumni. So the reason I'm mentioning that is because their legacy admissions are through the roof. Like there are a zillion people who go there because their parents went there or, and that, that person down the line back through time. And it makes sense, especially why one would be motivated to focus on legacy admissions when you have the largest endowment in the world because the alums that are paying for everything from like a portion of their incomes to like literally buying, you know, donating enough that like a building could be named after them or whatever. Um, although Harvard has a lot of old buildings, but it, it does make sense that like people are getting in. No, again, nothing is clean prior to affirmative action happening. It's not just the, all the applications were evaluated in some clean way and then affirmative action came in and fucked with that. Um, I think especially something that I hear underplayed a lot is like the fucking money system that's happening in college admissions and how like bananas it is. Um, So anyway, I just want to say that I echo your sentiments that maybe it's not (laughs) a perfect system, but it's a system that needs to exist because absent a system, it just capitalism is is the system. There's another system. Absent this system, it just defaults to the other system (laughs) that's everywhere. Right. And of course, the other system is you know, not the one under scrutiny, right? Even though that's probably yeah, yeah, of course. similar, you know, similarly. Yeah, exactly. Just, yeah. I mean, even, yeah, it's, it's wild, but it's good. I mean, now I think there's, I, I read something where, okay, the loophole and the, and the ruling is that Harvard will still, or, you know, schools can still look at how race affected your life. Also, um, they, uh, there's another, I think, lawsuit going through about maybe legacy admissions. Let's talk about that now, you know, because yeah. it was, you know, it's a, I mean, and, and again, I was, um, I'm from out Southern California. I, I don't know. I don't know if the culture shock was because it was New England or Harvard or whatever, but it was um, definitely like, okay, yeah, everyone's quite wealthy. <laughs> I yes. And it was, you know, and it's the same, the conversation today, maybe about Nepo babies too. <laughs> 
let's just we get in the mud. We are talking about but, Nepo you know, babies. We're talking, because it's a very interesting thing. I think the defense is always... Um, and, I'll, and I'll just apply this to students. They're not, they're very smart, like some of the most capable, smart students. But of course, I mean, they were set up to be so. And um, that, mm-hmm. you know, if your parent has is of means, it, it'll change the way you are educated uh, often. So, so you know, it, it, nothing is, I think, for instance, the defense of saying like, well, they're talented. So that's great. And it's like, that's true. But also access is maybe more of a scarcity than talent. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm, just, yeah. I'm just digging into the digging Gosh, into the controversial right. stuff here. But it is a, it's a it's an interesting conversation no, I mean, to have. I, I think this is a super interesting convo, and I I do think that it's funny because we've been again we have like a phrase the phrase nepo babies, which I feel like <laughs> is like so. so I feel like I'm like hearing that all the time. It feels very very like. It's like not even freshly in the zeitgeist. It's like I feel like right. I could hear that on like the daily or like some oh, yeah, some I'm show sure that has like that is like not <laughs> yeah 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 like like Gen Z based or whatever. Right. Um, but I feel like when I was growing up, and maybe again this is like this could have been me, but I feel like I had a different relationship to that, to where it was like I don't think I knew how many people were being rewarded through that system. I think I thought I think I knew like JFK Jr. existed, although he was like too I was like not I was too young to right, understand. Right. Yeah. He had both but, the name and the full name. Yeah. All three names. I think I just knew that was a person that existed. <laughs> yeah. But I don't think I knew that anybody else. I think it was just like, wow, that's the one, you know. So funny. <laughs> Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! I actually don't know this. Do you have any family that are in this industry? Um, I don't, but my grandfather was a cartoonist. He did like cartoons for magazines sometimes. He like, he also did renderings of buildings. I think where like you, you like, you know, now today, if you go out to a building, it's being constructed and there's like a graphic image of like what it'll look like. He did some of those, you know, so artistic. Like the ones that are now rendered by the yes, computer I know. that you know His how job to, like it's like. Taken by computers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> no, like that's, uh-huh. that's amazing. Yeah. And a watercolor artist. So, you know, I had, an, I had a very artistic family and I'm very, and I'm fourth generation on both sides, which means my great grandparents were the immigrants. I am, uh, you know, my grandparents were born here. And so then I've benefited from just long time hanging out in the U.S. <laughs> yeah, I'm fourth generation too. So we're okay, the same generation. yes, there we go. Yeah. So did yeah, you, so, so yeah, anyway, yeah. Did your family originally come to Southern California? Yeah, yeah. 
So they've just been good in choices California for a while. I mean, why not? Why, <laughs> why, why it's like Southern know? Ohio. Like I just <laughs> keep going. Like Southern amazing, Ohio is great. Amazing. It's beautiful, but you know, pretty. Yeah. I, I, I gotta go. I gotta check it out. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, most of my family has been here though. I mean, your Chicago ties, I think my grandparents were in Chicago for a hot minute mm. um, because of, and actually, I mean, let's, let's, I, of my query, <laughs> Uh, knowledge. I'm trying to think of the guest who talked about this may not come to mind, but I know specifically was talked about on this. So everyone should know. Um, that was a lot of Japanese Americans after the war, after camps were told they could either stay in camp. Nobody wants to do that or move to Chicago. So there's actually a huge Japanese American population from there. And that's, I mean, that's probably, I didn't know that Chicago specifically. Yeah, I think so. Wow. Illinois. Generally? I don't know. Well, I don't know. I, yeah, something I mean, like I, that. I feel like I should I know that. Know. Because I'm, um, because as you know, my wife, Katie, is. Right, yeah. Oh, I mean, and so this course, is, we've yes. been on this whole, um, you know, she grew up in New Hampshire. I, I think we, I think you know this because it's like she grew up in New Hampshire. There weren't other Japanese American families outside of her own family that she knew. And so for her moving to Southern California has been huge because <laughs> it's a completely different size right. of an no, Asian like, American population whoa. and a Japanese American population. And then we lived in Pasadena for a while, which has a huge Chinese American population. So there's, there's just cool. been like a lot of access to um, culture and information and so it's something that I've gotten to do a bunch with her, like go to Japantown here or little Tokyo um, in LA. I spent a lot of time down there and I went to, I was in um, Portland a couple weeks ago and went to like their uh, former Japantown. It's, it's kind of merged into what they now call an international district, which is like mostly a Chinatown, but there is a... Ooh cool museum there that has like a, a sort of a th- 3d model of all the businesses that used to exist prior to folks being moved oh. further cool inland. yeah let's play a record of that yeah yeah um, um but anyway yeah. i i don't know why i'm telling you all this i'm oh, also no, just saying this awesome. to yeah. the listeners um that like so wait your family was your family affected by this? Yeah, yeah. So, ooh, I saw you also went to the, uh, <laughs> this is my parasocial relationship with your social media. You also went, you guys went to the monument, the Go for Broke National Education Center monument yes. out here. Um, yes. Katie's great grandfather. uncle. Grandfather. Grandfather yeah. is on there. My grandfather's on there too. Sierra, oh, yeah. how did I not know this? Pew, pew, pew. Yeah, yeah. Pretty cool. So I didn't even, okay, so I kind of knew this and this is the thing. Families don't talk about this kind of stuff, right? Yes. And who does, you know? about any tough things in family history. But um, yeah, so I didn't really know too much. I knew my grandparents were in uh, Poston in Arizona. Um, That was one of the uh, concentration camps. And then, uh, yeah, I I started to volunteer a little bit with Gopher Broke National Education Center, which is based here in Little Tokyo. And they specifically talk about the World War II um, veterans who were Japanese American. We're talking the 442nd. We're talking the 100th Battalion, right? Yeah, Um, absolutely. You know, so they they spread that story. And also, you know, everyone who served, women, you know, uh, who were nurses and people who just were helping out and all that. So that is um, their story. That's their mission. And so when I was working with them, 
they were like, oh, your grandpa's on the monument. I was like, well, yeah. But I was just in my head, I was like, as a child, I was like, well, that's because he was like in Japanese. He was in the camps. Like, I didn't know why the significance of that. And then it was like, oh, yeah, he was in the military intelligence service. So maybe I just had missed that uh, lesson growing up. But overall, yeah, learning a lot more about that stuff as an adult, even though, sure, I guess I could have asked directly at some point. But, you know, who who does that? Well, I don't know if, look, I'm looking at a sample size of two here. And then also, um, oh my God, what is her name? Oh, uh, Kiku, Kiku? Yeah, and Kiku Johnson? Hughes. So oh, I'm looking oh, at Kiku a, Hughes. Who, yeah, who's sorry. been on the, totally who's, wrong last who's been Kiku on the show Hughes. also. Oh, yeah. So I'm looking at a sample size of three, but, um, you know, it's just because this is up, because it's in my marriage, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, I'm, I feel very sort of versed. We have a lot of conversations about the, you know, my grandfather fought in World War II and didn't talk about it, but it was a very different orientation to what he was doing there. I mean, for him, he was he was dealing with a level of poverty um, that was pretty extreme. Like, he'd never had dental care. So when he was in the Navy in World War II, he had like a toothache. They took all of his teeth. And he was like 17 or something. So then he had dentures for the rest of his life. So, you know, that was something he never talked about. Like, I just, I just know that story because my mom told me and I only ever knew him when he was an older person. So he had dentures, but I wasn't like, like, he's always had dentures, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, But I think it's different with the, the concentration camps and the, the, like just how people would have to. I mean, this is, you know, I think this is in queerness, there's been a very deliberate effort to try to bring history forward because I don't know, like in my childhood, I never heard about Stonewall or anything like that. Um, But I don't, I don't know. I think this is a really tough, tough topic for a lot of families. I mean, again, I'm using a sample size of, of three, but your story sounds so similar to Katie's. You know, she works at the Gopher Brook. She works with the Gopher Brook National Education Center as well. Nice. Her grandfather was in the 442nd. Um, oh, wow. I, wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I got to see his um, his tombstones at, at Arlington and I got to go see that. And it was all very like affecting because also her family um, maintained a military connection and other people in her family enlisted. The military intelligence service. That sounds also interesting. I couldn't I couldn't tell you much, yeah. <laughs> but I know a lot of it was involving like after the war had ended, how to kind of prevent um I think a lot of suicide in, in Japan of just like kind of trying to make sure, you know, and then transition and, and stuff like that, you know, transition of power. But um yeah, I think there was a lot of kind of culturally what's the right what's the most uh, painless way to how do you transition after a war, after losing a war, you know, but that's all I know. That's a lot though. <laughs> that's enough. I mean, on, <laughs> that's, I don't or maybe know. not for you. It doesn't feel that way. Sierra, this is, this is, I guess I will also say that I have found you to be in working with you and working with you on this show. I feel like you're such a compassionate person and somebody who, um, 
Like I said, I mean, you join these. Something I've thought about a lot is like, so these Zooms that we have with Patreon patrons, it's like a core group of people. Some folks come in and out, but it's like a core group of people that have meeting that have been meeting once a month for at this point, literally years. And I feel like I know them pretty well. And, you know, the, the, the amount one could know somebody on zoom, we always sort of talk about what's going on in our current lives. And like, I know which one of, which of them are really into horses and which of them are, you know, grandparents. And it's like a very, very, um, sweet experience. And I think something that I've always appreciated about you is that like when you've joined, um, which you don't, you can't always make everyone because you have your whole other life. It's like kind that you show up for any of them. I fucking love you for that. Um, But I just think it's like, you know, I've never heard you try to position yourself outside the group, you know, as somebody who doesn't, who's like in these conversations, people are talking a lot about queer identity and it's not like you are emphasizing your non-participation. And I just think that's a very beautiful thing. I, I don't, I mean, I guess it would be worth me asking you about that because you know I know so many folks like don't know how to participate in queer community if they're not a member themselves I'm wondering if you could like and I don't mean to put you on the spot so you can also be like fuck off but I I wonder if you could talk a little bit about what that feels like um yeah no of course I mean look, look I think I'm just grateful that you and everyone in that group too was like even welcomed me to be there and accepting me to be there, you know? Um, I think also like, I don't know, I don't feel, I guess I feel like a, a definite spiritual like thing where I get, I feel like I can relate in a lot of ways and I know it's not necessarily all the same ways, but I also kind of, Am, I don't know, I guess it, it just the way that maybe we're talking about, especially gender growing up and things like that. Like, I think I, I relate a lot and I think I was always drawn to maybe even a lot of the, the movies, TV shows, like cultural things that we talked about on Query or like in the group. And I guess I get that part. And overall, like, I mean, totally, to be honest, like I've been in my love life, like I've had a very good thing going, like static relationship with my um, now fiance. Yeah. man for like, we've been together for nine years and I've been very happy in that. And I'm monogamous. So I'm like, not, you know, looking elsewhere in any way. But I think as far as my own identity, I don't think I've necessarily always you know, I think that it's evolved. Like I think back in the day, you know, maybe I had never really like thought about uh, sexuality or gender in the way that I do today, because just the world has evolved about it. And I think I've learned so much through this, um, through your podcast, through everything you've talked about. And then just, yeah, in, in general, um, to kind of be, I don't know, I guess, see, see the lines to be blurred a little bit more, just to kind of understand it as as like a human but also knowing that like I haven't had the same experiences and I I know that I had a I am in a heterosexual relationship and so that's also very 
you know, a part of me. But yeah, I don't know. I guess I just don't see as much of the like difference. <laughs> that's fucking awesome. I don't and know. I, uh, I, that's, that is what I would hope people do feel. I mean, that, that what you're just describing is, how, is, is what I would, what I would want for folks, because I know that I just get the sense sometimes that folks are opting into a different viewpoint. They're opting into the idea of like not being a member, you know, and especially with what you're talking about. I think that's super interesting also that the duration of your relationship and like where we are now versus where we are a decade ago, like it makes sense to me that like maybe there are things that would be evaluated now that weren't evaluated then and Again, I think that's something that like a a lot more people could claim. Like like I, you know, if they wanted to. You know, like I guess what I'm saying is it it the kind of like openness that you're talking about in evaluation of self, like those are things that I think people could choose to embrace. If if that makes Does that make sense? Yes. Like there and is some see- element of choice in what you're talking about in mm-hmm. not in regards to like how we identify, but in terms of like allowing oneself to be expansive, allowing oneself to imagine, allowing oneself to be a member, allowing oneself to relate. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I see a lot of people doing that now more. Me too. You know, and it's inspiring and it's, I think it, it makes it feel like I, you know, I, I feel like so often I'm looking sideways and being like, wait, is that, okay to do or is this the what we do now you know I'm like yeah like is this the way so should I I should be this now and and that's enough or you know and that could be about anything but you know I I think especially in career right it's so easy to be like okay so now I should be doing this and making this much money and then you're supposed to be doing this you know obviously not in our industry as much but I think for sure there's like the looking sideways and seeing how everybody is is understanding themselves but also we understand ourselves through each other so it does feel like a, a societal thing. Um, yeah. But but yeah, but I mean, all the credit goes to you and, and the group and everybody for being so open about it. I, I think that's the main uh, variable here. Come on, man. <laughs> anybody, anybody would feel welcome. <laughs> I don't you know. know. I, I don't know. I think it's pretty awesome. back to talking for a moment just about sort of the continuation of your career and because again another thing that I think is really admirable about you and that I feel like a lot of people could benefit from like I know I could benefit from this is like you're a comic you're you're like successful comic you just shot a special you're like you know you have your own shows that you produce you go up at other shows, you know, you, you're a successful writer. Like you, you write on shows, you've had your own shows. Like, so I think something that I also love about you is that you've continued to work on query. Like you do all the booking for this show and there would be some people that given the other jobs that you've had might be like, fuck off. I'm now <laughs> at the place where I don't want to do this job anymore. Um, and I think that, I don't know, I guess I would like to hear, cause I know for me sometimes it's kind of related to what you were just talking about. It's like, I feel like, I just feel like there's so much pressure to get to the next thing that the desire to like stay with something mm. for a long term 
and that like, you know, whenever, whenever you, whenever you were first doing this job, it was like a lot of years ago, you were in a different place in your career. So I think, yeah, I think I'm just curious about like why you've made that choice and like, I mean, I'm super grateful you have, but I feel like there's something in there about like enjoyment of the thing that you've had for a while, like stick to itiveness and like you're so dependable. You always do what you say you're going to do. And I just feel like people are fucking flaky, especially people in this town. Like oh. talk to me a little bit about that. That's funny. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, first you know what I, mean. I also love, I also you know love, what I mean. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I get, I, I love to be flaked on. Um, no, <laughs> but um, no, I, I also am a big fan of, um, your uh or tell me to fuck off fuck off Cameron's fuck off is great I feel like that is um (laughs) one of my favorite (laughs) favorite things because imagine like a guest actually like because you do say like you can answer this question or hey tell me to fuck off and (laughs) we wait for the day I guess goes hey Cameron I want I want that person to to, (laughs) I want I I use it it's it's a good way to I can't wait set the stakes and with it um but no I I um oh gosh yeah I mean I think it's just well, it speaks to the job. It's it's definitely just one of the favorite things that I do and for sure like feeling like a a small part but like a a good influence of something that is out there that I feel like is a just net positive and good thing and you know, I'm I'm oh, a fan lovely. too. I'm listening all the time. So that's it's lovely. like great. We're creating stuff. And as as we've noted, um, you know, the podcast world is changing a lot too, but but I think I love podcasts and I think that um, the long form of it is cool. And I've learned so much just from also the logistics of it. So it's sort of like being able to put out a show, you know, when it's so hard to get anything made, um, no matter what, and having that immediate gratification uh, of, yeah. you know, getting that thing. And hey, that yeah. like Cameron interviewed that cool person that we finally booked. And then yeah. bam, the, the, the conversation's out there. I mean, you know, I listen to these and I cry and I go, hey, I emailed that person. <laughs> I emailed that person and That's I That's fucking awesome. <laughs> no. That's fucking but yeah, awesome. Yeah, it's great. So, you know, I think it's, it's, yeah, being a part of something that is one of the most meaningful things and projects that I get to work with obviously working with you, it's easy and fun and the best. And, um, people may not know this, but, uh, or you may not know this, but I would read your AV club, uh, <gasps> writings back in the Are day. Are you serious? Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. God. So I, I mean, you know, and I think cause obviously meeting you for the job a while, a while back, I knew, yeah, I had already known of you and been a fan. And so, you know, I probably played it down, played cool. Play cool. <laughs> no, yeah. but yeah, I was obviously a fan and, you know, so that's cool for me. That's cool for young me. And the fact that, um, yeah, I think just, just, I think it's such a, we love a podcast that can be kind of still independent and feel like it's made by the people who make it with care and um, has a voice and has, you know, a variety of different things. And, and gosh, you, you know, I, I've been meaning to do this, but I got to compile like something to send to you of all just the people that write in. And it's, it's still too many for me to even digest. It's too many. Yeah. It is clearly meaningful, you know, and that is a reward in and of itself, but also gosh, and not to mention also very important steady work in this town. 
Yeah. Um, you've employed me. You've you've paid my bills. Like this is a, a small but mighty part of the economy of Sierra Cato. So I need to, you know, so, and then look, now we're in the strike. Now it's a big and mighty part of yeah. the economy of Sierra Cato. So that is, that is um, also should not be go unmentioned, should not go unmentioned. There we go. I, you know, I love so many different things that you said. I think that last, like just starting with the last one, I mean, the thing I will say is that something I, I feel like this is true for so many people now, but it is definitely true for me is that my income is cobbled together from like 20 different things. And I know there are also like teachers who do, who like drive for rideshare. So like, I know this is, I know that we're not the only industry that that's true for, but I also think that for, for folks who like this applies to the strike that's happening right now. And like that news item. And I don't know, maybe people who are listening don't know what I'm talking about when I talk about the writer's strike. Like we've covered it. Um, additionally, the last episode, but I do think it's quite interesting and it seems to be new. My friends who don't live here and don't work in this industry seem to know about it. So it seems to be news. But I think another thing that I would say that you're talking about is like, here, yeah, again, you're somebody who's like, you've like been on TV, you've written for TV and, and also like a cobbled together income is part of it. And that's true for me too. And that's true for like almost everybody I know, like this isn't the kind of, you can't just like set it and forget it. Um, unless maybe like, like maybe like Lisa Kudrow can, but she doesn't. I but hope she so. Could. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I if she can't, what are what we doing? Are, yeah, what, what are we doing? <laughs> uh, but yes, it is. It's the it's necessary. I mean, yeah. The idea of like one W two. Can you so imagine? That's so Katie has but, one W two. Oh, I mean, yes. She I can't. It like is so funny. Simplicity when it comes work, in. You know? She'll yes. be like, "That's oh, I got to do my taxes," and then they'll be like half hour late. Beautiful. Yes. In yeah. my taxes. Wow. I love that. And you know, that's what we all deserve. I, I do wish that one day, but um, yeah. yeah, I think it's, it's, it's great. And I think like, you know, I, I used to do a lot of freelance coding. Um, I'll still make a, I'll still make a website if someone asked me nicely. Uh, but you know, I did do a lot of that and it was, it was, uh, it was not, it was grueling work sometimes. I mean, it wasn't, you know, you're just at your computer, but, but, you know, I definitely like, I quit some at some point and I was very happy. And, and that was like my, I think I didn't do that until like my, I was writing like my fifth season of, of TV um, because uh, great jobs, but I was just not sure if I was ever going to work again. You know, you just never know. And I don't yeah. know if I have the sort of like confidence to be like, and I'll be fine. <laughs> so there's may, there's a lot of maybe being a little scared to take that leap um, of, quitting those, uh, quitting sort of the, the freelance coding jobs. And then look, here we are. Maybe I should have kept some of them now. Uh, but <laughs> it, it's truly like, I'm glad, you know, I, I'll, it is true that sometimes your fears do get confirmed. So it's good to have some steadiness in life and and what a blessing it is when, it, when you have it. Uh, but for sure, I mean, I think it's interesting now. And if we want to, you know, I'll delve a little bit into like all this sort of writer's strike, actor strike stuff, but it is kind of, comforting even though overall depressing to learn that like everyone kind of as, as successful as they may look because oh yeah you've been on tv had a few great jobs like 
residuals no longer being a thing. I've, I've written for five seasons of TV and I've gotten zero dollars residual because they yep. were all like, you know, streaming and animation. And that's just how it is. And I yep. think it's, you know, teaches you, of course, save and be, you know, whatever, if you can. Um, but, you know, a lot of people can't. And so I yeah. think that's kind of the way where uh, it is just good to know that everyone's kind of in similar boats uh, in being like, yeah, and then, hey, maybe we're headed back to coding camp. <laughs> But, uh, you know, or hey, if anybody needs a, a, a little coding camp tutor, I'm here for you. I mean, Sierra, I got to say, as a skill set, like every stand-up comic I know is an idiot. So I feel like. <laughs> well, the just... sad thing, too, is I think, you know, if we're talking AI, everybody's like, AI is coming for the writer's jobs. And it's like, sure, but it's coming for also the coding jobs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe first. No, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> It may be, it may be coming for all jobs. It's sure. possible That's that it's... That's the ultimate. Yeah, it's possible. Um, okay, well, so... We all love the Matrix. The, hey, yeah. We love the yeah, Matrix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, baby. Absolutely. So in a moment, I'm going to ask you the question I ask everybody. But before that, I just want to take a moment and talk about... Um, Sierra, can you tell me how to... Um, what is the secret to a lasting relationship? Because... How have you been in a relationship for nine years? Now you're engaged, you're moving forward. Can you give me and our listeners some tips and tricks about a lasting relationship? Oh, hilarious. I am not the one. I mean, you know, it's like, God, we're little, we're little babies. And then now we're kind of adults, but still feel like kids. So I don't know. But yeah, I, I, so we met in college. Um, he was a year older uh, and we've been together ever since, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, we, he moved out here and, um, you know, knew I was coming down to town as well. So I think we knew we would be in the same place. He made that happen. Thank you, Dylan. And we just, we get along well. We've just been living together for a long time too. And I guess it's just kind of, we kind of merged in the same person. So that's <laughs> kind of fun. You're kind of just have the same jokes and you have the same pop culture awareness and you're kind of the same person what about the same glasses um, oh i we don't we both have glasses i kind of want him to have these glasses but he has different glasses and okay I, I wouldn't i don't think i would wear his glasses so got it so yeah that's the one way you can tell us apart but yeah. um <laughs> other than that no but yes i mean you know i feel very lucky i think you know he's he's a really um sweet guy who has put we both have put the relationship, you know, ahead of a lot of things too, I think. And that's been nice and strange because of course, both career people, you want to be, you want to be um, able to do what you want to do. Uh, but we also have very separate lives too. Like, I think that's actually something that a third party who once lived with us noticed is we do, you know, have like kind of our own thing going on and we're not trying to. That's it right there, in. Sierra. That's it. Each other's business. That's really? the one. Yeah, I think it's separate lives. I think separate I mean, lives is the one. Yeah. I mean, number one, separate glasses. It can help. It can help. But I think number yeah. two, separate lives. Yeah. Well, yeah. Make sure you have the same glasses prescription. Otherwise, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Same doomed after. from the start. <laughs> Absolutely wrecked from the start. But, but yes, I mean, yeah, I think, you know, especially because, God, you know, you spend, especially if you both work from home or whatever it is now, that can mean too much time spent together. Yes. Um, and that's also not fun. But I mean, you know, and then you, fi you figure out how to 
be gone for some amount of time. This is something I had to learn. The idea that one should have a separate life from one spouse. I didn't oh, know sure. that for a long time. I mean, yeah, I think I, I, I also understand absorbing into each other completely and having no distinct uh, just appendages. one amorphous. I also get that. I don't. Yeah, I, I don't know. That. that one's not it. That's not it. Um, I get blob relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I don't think that's the one. <laughs> Well, before I send you back into your day, first of all, I want to just, again, thank you for everything you've done to make this show possible. And I'm so happy that you're moving with it in future. And anybody that's listening, you should know that uh, Sierra is absolutely amazing. And so support her in everything that she does because she supports you um, by helping to make this show. Uh, because otherwise, I'm... I just am too much of a basket kit. I wouldn't be able to do it. So thank you, Sierra. Um, and before I send you back into your day, um, I want to ask you to shout out a queero, which is a person, place, or thing that made you feel you could be who you are today. Nice. Yes, I love. I I also tried to act surprised, but I do. Not. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you can see my face, super shocked. Um, Obviously, Cameron Esposito. I don't know if you heard of them, but uh, kind of a big deal. I know them. I know them maybe a little bit better than, you know, they know me. But now they know me a lot better than anybody knows me. Um, okay. And then, yes. Oh, and God. look, you know, that's the that's the obvious choice. So I feel like. Wow. That's, I think you that's might only one. be the second person. I can't Sauce. remember who else. Saws, mate. Um, I do have a log running. Um I think there's there's been at least three <laughs> others. I want to say, I could do a quick I could, could I could do a quick control F in the spreadsheet, but I'm pretty sure there's two to three others, you are maybe more. Uh, we could look. We could look. Yeah. We'll run the algorithms. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, listen. Um, love you. Thank you. Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows, supported directly by you.